You ever been there where you have, you've, you've, you've wanted something? And you, 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 you prayed over something. You've labored over something, and now it is in your, it's in your hands. I'm excited for us to hop into uh, week number six of a series that we've been doing called Closer, where we have been following the story of Abraham and Sarah, but we've been learning how to draw closer to God. Come on, somebody, but also drawing closer to one another. And I'm excited about the word that God um, has given me today. If you got a Bible, go with me to Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to skip down after we read 18, 11 through 15, and go to Genesis 21, 1 through 7. So we're going to play a little hopscotch this morning with the word of God, but it's all going to come together. Genesis chapter 18, 11 through 15, and I'll be reading out of the living, New Living Translation. So your Bible may read a little bit different today, but that's completely okay because to the left and to the right of me, come on, somebody, I got two really big Bibles that you cannot, that you cannot miss. Genesis chapter 18. And Genesis is one of those books that I know a lot of people don't read often, so the pages might be stuck together, but you can work it on out. Come on. That's like going to the book of Habakkuk. Come on. Nahum. Them, them pages just stick together. You got it. Come on. Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 18, 11 through 15. When you're there, say I'm there. If you're not, say hold up. That was a whole lot whole day. Ah, that was a whole lot. Genesis chapter 18, 11 through 15. It says this family. It says that Sarah, Abraham, it says, I'm sorry. It says that Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Verse 13 says, family says, then the Lord said to Abraham, ooh, this is it. Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? This is it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Wow. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. I want us to find our burden here. Don't miss it. Sarah was afraid. So she denied it. Saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no. Over to Genesis 21. It says this, 21 and 1. It says, the Lord kept his word. That's it. The Lord kept his word. The Lord kept his word. And did. Come on. The Lord kept his word and The Lord kept his word and 
for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. For Abraham in his old age, this happened at just the time that God said it would. Wow. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days later, Isaac was born. Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old. We've been watching our goddaughter for the last three days. I'm 37 years old, and I tell you, no more babies for me. 37 years old. What's so funny? As I was preparing for this message, I read an article on several reasons as to why humans laugh. One of them said sometimes people laugh when something is sad because they're trying to avoid going deeper into the motion, into emotion. On the street, we would say you're laughing because you're trying to mask the pain or avoid the discouragement that you're feeling in this season. For some people, they believe that smiling makes them look weak. For some people, they believe that giving out compliments makes them look vulnerable. For some people, they believe that smiling makes them look vulnerable. For some people, they believe that tears make them look strange. But me personally, come on, somebody, my natural deflection is anger. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> my wife said, praise God. Um, when I am full of emotions or I'm trying to deflect the way that I feel, I'm trying to fight everyone. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> but whatever your natural deflection may be, in the moment of deflection, you have to realize that it's still deflection. And you have to find the root cause of what's prompting your reaction. Come on, somebody, because it can't be denied forever. The Bible says in Proverbs that it's the hope deferred that makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I don't know about you, but I've seen people with sick hearts that makes them pretend and deflect things that they really care about. Hear me, family, just because hope may be delayed, that doesn't mean that it won't be fulfilled eventually. Hear me. For Sarah and Abraham, it was disbelief that prompted them to laugh. Because what God was speaking to Sarah and Abraham sounded absolutely crazy. The Bible says that when God told Abraham that, he would be ble- that, that she would be blessed and that he would bless her and that he would change her name from Sarai to Sarah and that she would be richly blessed, um, the Bible says that Abraham fell down to the ground and he laughed out of disbelief. I truly think at this point, family, that Abraham has to be thinking to himself, come on, somebody, if I don't laugh, then I'm going to go crazy. Because the things that God has been spoken over me, the things that God has been telling me, defies all odds. So you mean to tell me, God, that I'm going to father a child at 100 years old and that Sarah is going to birth a child at 90 years old? Family, you know what I've noticed all the way from Genesis 11 all the way to Genesis 21? is that God is always only doing something that he can get the credit for. And if God 
is the only person who can get the credit for it, then, then it'll never make sense because he's the God of the God of the impossible. Oh, come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful that he's greater than your doubts? Come on. Aren't you thankful that he's greater than your disbelief? Aren't you thankful that he's greater than your understanding? One of the most fault-finding things, come on, somebody, that I find about the Christian life is that we keep, come on, is that we keep trying to understand the promises of God. Every turn, every nook, every cranny, come on, somebody, we're always trying to figure out the promises of God. And when we can't grasp the mystique of his ways, when we can't grasp the mystique of the way that he moves things, the way that he leads, we psychologically and emotionally deflect what cannot be understood. Come on. So because I can't understand how God is going to work something out, well, I'm just going to flip the promise altogether because I can't figure this thing out. So now that I start, so now that I can't understand it, I'll start laughing something off and stop believing God for it. Come on. Write this down. Super simple. Remove your understanding. Super simple. Remove your understanding. Let me say it this way. Human, un- oh, this is it. Let me say it this way. Human understanding will rob you of enjoying a move of God. Oh, my goodness. It will. It will do it. Human, under- human understanding will literally rob you from enjoying a move of God. I have sat down with some of the most influential pastors in the world. With ministries that are changing the game locally, globally, online, and everywhere in between. And I'll sit down with them at conferences. I'll sit down with them, sit down with them at lead pastor retreats. I'll sit down with them at green rooms. And they'll always tell me, son, I've seen your content. You can preach the paint off of the walls, and there is no doubt that God is going to do amazing things with you in your future. But let me tell you something. You better learn how to enjoy God while he's working it out. You better learn how to enjoy God while he's building the church that he's called you to build. You better, son, you better learn how to enjoy God on the journey. Because one of the worst things that you can do is that God, as, that as God builds his church through you, is keep trying to understand how he's going to do it. Come on now. One of the quickest ways into depression while God is trying to figure this thing out, one of the quickest ways to get anxious as a pastor is keep trying to figure out how he's going to work it out for you. Let me tell you this way, son. They say, you just, they say, hey, when you're low on budget, just keep preaching the gospel and God will provide. Come on. Keep, they tell me, son, keep honoring the Lord with integrity and humility and honesty and your cups will overflow. Yeah. You keep loving your children, keep loving your bride, and God will continue to grace you with powerful preaching. Keep being faithful and they'll come. Stop trying to figure it out. Understand, son, that you have to remove your understanding and just trust God. Because, because look at this. According to man, Sarah has already passed the age of childbearing. So by all outward circumstances and appearances, Sarah had good reason to laugh this promise off. Come on, let's be real. According to biology and according to human study, she is officially barren. 
So she, come on now, so she officially laughs this promise off. Come on, somebody, because it's quite comical. Come on. It would literally, it would literally take a move from God, a miracle from God for them to literally have children at this point. So Sarah laughs within herself to avoid the point of having a son, of not having a son. One, come on. One would imagine that she that she avoid that she laughs to avoid crying. One would imagine that she laughs to avoid anger. One would imagine that she laughs to avoid a season of depression. One would laugh. One would imagine that she would laugh so that she can look strong in front of her family. Come on. One would imagine that Sarah is laughing because she's trying to deflect the way that she feels because she's been hearing so much about this promise. And then here it comes again. Come on. God, I, God, I heard you years ago. And here comes this promise again. So she laughs. Because this is what she's always wanted. And now it is so hard for her to understand. And she's finding it hard to believe. Because her under, watch this, it's because her understanding is reminding her that this move of God is physically impossible. Write this down. God never told you that it was impossible. You did. God never told you it was impossible. You, you told yourself that it was impossible. The moment that, come on somebody, the moment that you heard it from God, whoo, that, I, I, ooh, Lord, I can't, you ain't going to do that for me. God never told you that it was impossible. You keep saying that it's not, that it's impossible. This is what the text says. Genesis 18, 13 through 15, it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? <clears throat> Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord. I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah was afraid. So she, whew, this, this is it. He tells her that it's possible. What She denies it by saying, I, I, I didn't laugh that off. <laughs> but the Lord says, no, you did laugh. Get this. Sarah, Sarah laughs within herself, but there's nothing hidden from God. So God, literally, he hears her laughter and he goes to Abraham and asks her, well, why is she laughing about what I spoke over y'all? Come on, somebody. God could have been petty and said, cool, I done told you two times and let me go take my promise to somebody going to appreciate it. <laughs> But the grace of God responded by dealing with her sin of unbelief by not taking the promise away. Because, watch this, because God fully understands that his ways are higher than our ways. God fully understands that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So think about, so think about this. So if God moves in a way that you and I move, then it wouldn't make him God. Think about that for a moment. If he moved just like you and I, then it wouldn't make him God. Because time, hear me, time doesn't matter because he's God. Come on. Space doesn't matter to him because he's God. 
our human disability or lack of or lack of ability doesn't matter to him because he's God. Come on, somebody. He, he, he became sin, defeated sin, so sin doesn't, doesn't bother him either. Human disobedience doesn't matter to him because he's God. Circumstances don't matter to him because he's God. Darkness doesn't matter to him because he's like, he is God. So he looks at us while we laugh, but he's still working it out. Come on, somebody. When we're faithless, he remains faithful. The Bible literally says, Paul pins this, and he says that God can't deny himself. Come on now. So he, so he asked Abram, who's seen the hands of God, who's heard the words of God working things out. He says, well, is there anything too hard for me? Come on now. And Abram's response should have been, thankfully not, because you're the God who triumphs over my weaknesses. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Abram should have said, thankfully not, because you're the God who keeps loving me when I laugh and doubt. Come on now. <laughs> Write this down. It might be hard for you, but it's never too hard for God. It might be hard for you, but it's never too hard for God. So as God as is nearing the end of his conversation with Abraham, he tells him to prepare. He says, because about this time next year, when I come back, you will have a son. And I, and I love this family. I love this. I love that as the promise gets closer, come on, somebody, the details from God got more clearer. Ooh. Come on. The closer that Abraham and Sarah got to the promise, the details of how God was doing it was getting better and better. But the problem is, we as Christians, we will receive the promise of God, never move closer to the promise of God, but want to see the details more. Come on. Whew. Come on. It was in Genesis chapter 12 where he tells Abraham to leave your native country and go to a land that I'll show him. It was in Genesis chapter 13 where Abram had to separate from Lot because of the abundance of things. It was in Genesis chapter 14 where Abram has to leave a moment of comfort to go and rescue Lot. It was in Genesis chapter 15 where he literally calm, calms Abram with a covenant promise. It was in Genesis chapter 16 where Abram and Sarah go to a surrogate and try to rush the promise on their behalf. It was in Genesis chapter 17 where God changes Abram's name and turns into Abraham. Come on, somebody. The details got more clearer as they got closer to the promise. So through every trial, through every tribulation, God continued to call them more by faith. Come on, y'all sleeping here. We're going to work it out, though. Come on now. We're going we're gonna to work, work it out today. Sometimes you got to keep on going. Come on now. I, I, I told the preachers and preach one on one. I said, some, I said you got to preach to people like they don't believe what you're saying, even though if you... Come on now. <laughs> you better preach it like they don't believe it, even if they do. Come on now. So he's calling them the more by faith, but also making the promise more clear. The only take back is that as their promise got more clear, their flesh got more involved. Come on. Come on. Because, because as they got older and as time went by, they believed that God stopped working. Come on. Somebody needs to understand this. Just because time is passing by, that is not an indicator of God not moving. Come on. Come on, that just because time is moving you by, that is not an indicator of the promise being over. Come on, somebody, just because time is passing by, that don't mean that God is not working it out on the back end. Just because time is going by, that, that is, hear me, that is not an indicator of him stopping working on your behalf. Somebody needs to hear that. 
I realize the problem with human time is that with human time, we start to deflect the promises of God by pushing off what we used to have faith for. Come on. So we would sing that he's an on-time, that he's an on-time God, but deflecting what we're hurting over. Come on. Write this down. God doesn't deflect like we do. He always shows up. God doesn't deflect. He always shows up. Genesis 21 and 1 says that the Lord, this is it, family, kept his word. I love this. The Lord kept his word. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Now, it took a long time. As a matter of fact, scholars say from, it took, that it took 25 years from the time that they heard the promise until the time they received what he spoke over them. Now, have you ever noticed that as a believer of God, that he's always faithful to what he promises? And I know it's, and come on somebody, and I know that sometimes it seems like the promises fail, but they never do. Notice that the promise from God was not fulfilled because Abraham and Sarah were perfect. The promise was fulfilled because God always shows up and he's faithful to his word. But here's the challenge. Here it is. There are some promises of God that are conditional because they do require a move of faith from you and I. If Abraham never would have left his land, he would have never received the promised son. Come on, somebody. If Joel and Tiffany would have never left Augusta, Georgia to go and plant core church in the middle of a global pandemic, then I wouldn't be standing here right now. There are some promises from him that do require some obedience from you and I. And then there are some promises from God that are unconditional. And God will absolutely fulfill them, not because of what we do, but because of who he is. Come on, somebody. There's two types of promises here. Come on. There's some that absolutely require a move from you. Then there are some, God said, hey, because of my sovereignty, because of my goodness, because of my favor, because of my mercy, because of who I am, I'm going to work it out for you. You just stand still because there are some promises that say, son or daughter, you need to move. And then there are some that say, son or daughter, you need to stand still. I would go to say they both really hard. Come on. <laughs> Look at it straight up. This is what the text says. <laughs> Genesis 21, 2 through 3, it says this says that she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time. What does it say, family? God had said it would. Come on now. And Abraham named their son Isaac. I find it very interesting that the writer of Genesis wanted us to know again that Sarah gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And the writer wanted us to understand that it happened at just the right time as God said that it would. Come on now. Have you ever held onto something or experienced something that you've always wanted so bad and it just overwhelmed you with the goodness of God? You ever gotten keys to a brand new house? Come on, somebody. And as you walk through the house, you couldn't do nothing but be overwhelmed with praise because you knew what it was like when you got denied alone. Come on. You ever gotten keys to an apartment? And then as you walk through that apartment, come on, somebody, you were just overwhelmed with the goodness of God because you knew what it was like to be homeless. 
You ever got a brand new job where you walk right past the receptionist headed to your office? Come on, somebody. And you're overwhelmed with the goodness of God because you knew what it was like to stand in an unemployment line. You ever been there where you have you've, you've, you've wanted something? And you 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 prayed over something. You've labored over something, and now it is in your, it's in your hands. You've walked through the battle, you fought the fight, but now it is in. You know, every single time that I experience something that I used to deflect out of frustration, I just simply say, thank you, God, for waiting to give it to me. Because there are things that I used to pray for that I'm thankful God didn't give it to me. There are positions that I used to cry over. And I'm thankful that God didn't give it to me. You ever been thankful that God didn't give you something? Could you imagine where you would have been if he would have said yes to it? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm thankful that he didn't give it to me. Thank you, God, for thank you, God, for giving it to me in your time. Here here it is, because there's no greater timeline than yours, Lord. I told I preached one on one class the other day. I said, I said, here, I said, here, I said, anything that is outside of God's timeline is outside of God's will. So, Lord, give me a heart for your timeline. Ooh, that's it. Give me a heart for the way that you want to work it out. So there's no need for you and I to continue deflecting the pain or tripping over something that we were meant to experience. Abraham and Sarah were meant to experience everything that they walked through. Because that makes, the, that, makes, that makes what they were frustrated over even the more sweeter. My dad used to tell me all the time, son, he said, hey, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Come on. There are a whole lot of people who want to plant churches, but they ain't got the guts to do it. Come on, everybody, everybody, everybody would do it if it was easy. This is what the text says. Genesis 21, 5 through 7, it says, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. I find that interesting. The text says, all who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham, that Sarah would nurse her baby. God did. <laughs> Who would have spoke this impossible word over? Over God did. So yet. So yet. I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Sarah says that God has brought me laughter, which is now my joy. Because my pain used to cause me to laugh, but now it makes me praise. Come on, somebody. Sarah and Abraham used to laugh, but now they're pregnant. Come on now. 
Sarah and Abraham, you, they come on. Sarah and Abraham used to laugh, but now they're holding on to a promise that they used to deflect. Wow. Originally, the name Isaac, the, originally the name Isaac was meant as somewhat of a rebuke from God because of Sarah and Abraham's laughter. But God, oh, this is it. But God turned a gentle rebuke into an occasion for joy. Whoa. Come on now. Come on now. So I'm, whoo, I was going to rebuke y'all for this, but because of my grace, but because of my favor, I'm going to turn this into a moment of joy. What I want you to see and what I want you to feel is that once you laugh out of deflection today, God can turn it around tomorrow. Because there, this is it, because there are some of you that have not faced the pain of not receiving what you were promised, so now you're angry. There are some of you that have not faced the pain of what you were promised, and now it makes you sad. Here's the bottom line. Don't allow the deflection of your pain to rob you of your joy that's on the way. Come on. Come on. I'm going to say that again. Don't allow the deflection of your pain to rob you of your joy that it don't miss the end that is on the way. Sarah said, who would have told Abraham that I would nurse a baby? Who would have said that the impossible would happen? Who would have thought that what made me laugh out of pain and disbelief would now make me smile? So here's my question, super simple. What promise are you laughing over that's really causing you pain? The moment that it hits your spirit, you start laughing. But it's really causing you pain. The moment that it hits your spirit, it's causing you laughter, but it's really making you angry. What promise are you laughing over? That's really tearing you up on the inside. What, what promise is that? What promise are you reflecting? What promise have you been hiding? What promise have you been pushing to the side with some surface emotion that's really tearing you up on the inside? You have to ask yourself that question. What's the promise that you're that you're laughing over that's really causing you pain? I, I have no idea what that is. You do. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's the, the promise of healing. It's making you angry. Maybe it's the promise of a promotion on your job and you haven't got it yet. It's making you angry. Maybe it's the promise of something being restored in your life and it hasn't happened yet and it's making you angry. Maybe it's the maybe it's the promise of opening up a business or writing the book and you haven't done it yet, but it's still making you angry. What what promise are you laughing over that's really causing you pain? Only you know what that promise is. Every single time that you hear it over and over and over again, you laugh it off, but you really want to cry. What is that? promise are you laughing over this that's really that's really causing you pain will you lift your hand to heaven with me as i pray for us today god and father we love you we love you we thank you 
with every single hand that's lifted in this place today, you know the promises that are that are held high. Even if we're laughing out of disbelief, laughing out of anger, laughing out of pain, whatever it is that's happening on the inside, we saw in the text of that you know exactly what's happening on the inside. We may laugh silently, but it's loud to you, Lord. So we ask that you speak to every burden, speak to every pain, speak to every piece of darkness, speak to every issue, speak to every stronghold, speak to every chain. Speak to every piece of brokenness. Speak to speak to whatever it is that is holding us down. What promise are we lacking in this really causing us pain? Holy Spirit, we give it to you right now, God. We thank you in advance for working out when we lift high to you in Jesus' name. And everybody says.